1: You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Thursday, August 10th, and I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. And we just got back from Notre Dame's 13th practice of the preseason, five periods available to the media. It was a a special teams day. We spoke with special teams coordinator Marty Biagi. He gave us the lowdown. If you've seen Irish Illustrated's instant analysis, you know, pretty much the lowdown of kick return, punt return, kickoff, place kick, punter, et cetera, et cetera. We'll go over that in this segment. But also on Tuesday, Notre Dame practiced at school field in South Bend. And we saw about what I counted, about 75 snaps, a little less than half of those involving the, the number one offense. And we got a preview of what appeared at that time to be the starting guard's and Pat Coogan at left guard and Rocco Spindler at right guard. And then today in practice 13, it appeared to be verified. Those guys are running with Joe Alt, Zeke Corral, and, uh, and Blake Fisher. Tim, your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, super camp surprise for August. If that played out in the spring, Tim, right after you had heard about Coogan and Ashton Craig, we'd have been less surprised. But I, I have to admit, I did not often hear Coogan's name mentioned in the spring. So I carried that over in the summer. Um, and then he also was not the first week guy it was emil wagner getting looks there so really interesting that coogan won that job um i think spindler won the job more definitively without being in the coaching room it it certainly seems like if i were to if i were to pick a fourth guard right now i think Christophe is the fourth guard from what we have watched uh witnessed heard about and we get to talk to marcus freeman about it that's the person to ask on saturday um and they're going to have another massive scrimmage on Saturday. You said seventy-five snaps. This might be the oh, one where they get. They, they're going up, to get. They're going to get to that. They're going to get to that uh, on Saturday because we kind of heard from the specialist today and Coach Biagi that there's a scrimmage coming, and that should be the end of camp by all reasonable intents and
3: purposes to get ready for Navy. Pete Sampson? Right? it's yeah. Just I, at this point, I think he. We haven't gotten clarity on the Coogan Spindler matchup, but I think you have to accept that that that's what's happening. Coogan Trout, yeah, yeah, they're just not wasting these reps. Um, you know, to to they're not they're they've moved well past the let's just try it out phase. Yeah, of offensive
1: yeah. line co- offensive line coaches don't like to when you're getting this close to the season, they don't want. They don't want to disturb the continuity, and and I don't want to say waste snaps, but, I mean, if you're going to go with those two guys as your starters, you got to get them on the field and functioning every snap you possibly can. And It appears that they're headed in that direction. We're all a little bit surprised, I think, largely because of the way Howard Cross, The third talked about Billy Shrouth in, De- in December, uh, but it is what it is, and Coogan is a guy that we had heard, I think it was particularly in September of last year,
2: yeah. Yeah. It was during they, the season. You heard this and, yeah, and we and filed they, it away they, because the season had started and it was, he was right. going to play.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. But Coogan, uh, we had heard about Ashton Craig, that they had been impressed by him. And, and so that's, that's where they are. I have no doubt. And I'm sure you guys are in the same camp with me on this. That Billy Shroff is going to be a quality offensive lineman at Notre Dame. Um, So, you know, from that perspective, we're a little bit surprised that he didn't win the job, but Hey, Coogan's a little bit, uh, more experience he's been in the program a little bit longer if you compare weights I, I actually see that that Shrouth weighs more than Coogan but it doesn't look like it you know I think I think Shrouth is eventually going to be a he's listed at 311 he's eventually easily going to carry 320 when he completely fills out but I, I you know and, and Tim you like in your conversations with Joe Rudolph you were hinting along the lines of whoever is the most physical is ultimately going to win that job. I know that's kind of a given with offensive alignment, but sometimes you differentiate between physicality and the ability to finesse and pass blocking and it appears that they're going with the guys that are a little bit more physical, a little bit maybe a little bit stronger at this stage of their careers.
2: Yeah, I think we I mean of all the positions we kind of got to kind of go with <laughs> lean towards the coaches and not wonder what they're going with. I think offensive line for the for the layperson, for the uh, advanced film watcher, and for anyone that has played the sport, you still got to figure Joe Rudolph and uh the offensive coordinator, Jared Parker, have uh, decided on this because of m- many, many, many snaps over a long time. So, yeah, it feels like Coogan will be the starter. Spindler, it really feels like he's going to be the starter. And that's what they will bring into Navy. And Navy is an interesting test for an offensive line just for all the fronts they give to you. Like whatever you can exploit on the back end has to still be has to still start on the front end. You have to protect first for Hartman to exploit what should be many, many opportunities downfield.
3: Which I, Hartman will be in position to do that. Yeah, right. He can protect himself in a way that a lot of quarterbacks can't. So it, um, I think in some ways, it's probably a good intro to football for those guys because while Navy is exotic and sound, they're not the greatest athletes in the world compared to what you're going to see down the road. So get some good tape, your quarterback will get you in good looks. Um, you know, in theory, they, sh- they should be able to handle two new guards without, I think, a whole lot of uh, issues in game one.
1: Tuesday night, Notre Dame uh, practiced at school field in South Bend, and, and it was you know, the, the scrimmage or, you know, pretty much the entire practice, the defense was in control, and the defensive line was very impressive. Uh, the the interior defensive line is where I continue to point to with with Riley Mills. Gabe Rubio is really stepping up. Jason Anya is his energy is boundless, and of course the given the one given there from last season is Howard Cross of third. Um, You know I'm sure some of that speaks to the situation at guard a little bit and just continuity. And and look, frankly, we went in we went into all this saying the offense is going to carry this team this year pretty much. And we'll see about the defense the second time through with Al Golden. So I think from that perspective, you know having the having the defense control things a little bit more is is a positive because that was the area where you had a little bit more concern,
2: yeah, i I agree with you from watching that practice. Um, I will say that if Notre Dame's kind of question mark on offense is the guards because that's where the competition was. And Notre Dame's new strength on defense for sure is that quartet inside. Would you agree that those four really look yeah, good? I mean, I
1: think it looks legit. We won't know for sure until they get up against the, you take, know, actual competition, but it'll take
2: estimate, up. take estimate out of it and have a guard situation. That's not as good as your defensive tackle situation that can muck some things up defensive tackles, dominating guards and no estimate. Oh, that'll really screw some things over. I think uh, I think Notre Dame's offense is better than it looked on Tuesday night. I do believe Notre Dame would not show much offensively since they knew for the better part of a month we were all going to be in there. You can run through your base stuff, try to pick up first downs, and not pick up first downs. It is not the end of the world. You still get your evaluation. Um, but anybody that thinks like that we are making up a theme, we've never done this before ever, other sites do it, the wide receivers are not playing as well as the, anybody covering them. That's the end of the story. Name a wide receiver. He's not playing as well as the back seven guys covering them. All of them, including my favorite Jaden Greathouse.
3: I would agree. Yeah, their receiver position has been anonymous during camp. I mean, it's like when you walked out of Tuesday's practice, and you're like, well, which receivers turned your heads? You'd be like, well, Salerno had the best catch. In Um, one-on-ones, and also in one-on-ones, we should point out. You know. Jordan Faison is interesting, maybe more on special teams than a <laughs> receiver, but sure. did some stuff. And then Greyhouse had some nice plays, but I think it was against a, was it against Marty hour? Maybe it was a walk-on. It um, was
2: Scheidler, Eddie. Um, yeah. And he another so nice like, play, but you, you,
3: know. you, you account for that. Um, but you're, you're waiting. I mean, really you're waiting for Tobias Merriweather to step forward and and look like the number one receiver that I think the staff hoped he was going to be. And we just, we just haven't seen it yet. And I will say just like the defense being ahead of the offense. I mean, we have watched a ton of training camps. I don't remember very many where the offense just smoked the defense up and down the field. That no, is That is a
2: really That's good
3: point. Fair. I mean, it's like, even when Ian book was here and like going to his third year, it's not like, I mean, what well, we watched camp that year and it was like, that man the deep ball is just not happening like they can't they can't push the ball vertically at all like this this offense might be in some real trouble and like they just sort of figure it out so i'm i'm not alarmed about the offense at least in the box but at receiver you just would like to see a a show of athleticism one-on-one from one of these bigger time guys
1: i was a A little harsh the other night about two of the receivers in particular, as I am apt to be, and that was Deion Colsey and uh, Tobias Merriweather. And look, this is not about me being, us being offended that those whiteouts aren't stepping forward. What this is about is a coaching staff that is begging and pleading and demanding that these players step forward and provide Number one, what they think that they're capable of providing, and number two, what this offense needs. And so, you know, maybe some sensibilities are hurt when we talk so specifically about players. But these guys have to step up. And I I mean, I think I kind of portrayed it, and I I think I certainly did today and Thursday's thoughts. Like, uh, well, you know, if if they're not going to step forward and and be players, then they're going to have to look at alternatives. They're still going to give these guys every opportunity to do it, especially merriweather because i think they believe in him more than colsey i know colsey emerged at times last year in the second half of the season but i think that they the coaching staff absolutely believes in merriweather more than they do colsey so it's time i it's time to step up i realize that he didn't get a whole lot of snaps last year he went through the concussion situation but this is a highly rated player that they need to step forward And not only did he not catch a pass in the seventy-five snap scrimmage, I don't think that he actually put a fingertip on a football during this. Now he wasn't out there for all seventy-five snaps; he was probably out there for thirty-five.
3: That'd be an interesting coaching move.
1: Two passes were thrown (laughs) in his direction. One he didn't. It was. It would have been a tough play against Cam Hart, but Cam Hart swallowed it. And then another one. uh, I think. I think Christian Gray was in in coverage there, and it so literally. Colsey and Merriweather did not even get a fingertip on a football during the scrimmage the other night.
2: I believe they're in different places uh, in the pecking order as well. To be fair, since we want to report and not just tell you that they're all dogs and going to be great, Tobias Merriweather has been with the first unit in every single practice we have seen, whether it be five periods or a full period. Deion Colsey has not. And I know that your five period viewing today, Tim, you had the offense did not include Colsey in the second unit. That doesn't surprise me, but that also doesn't mean he's not in the second unit. I mean, the tempo drill has I used to not them. include sometimes the Mar- Michael Mayer and Alizé Mack huh, never put those two together again. We're not even involved in the tempo drill like that. That's not always. Tyree wasn't
1: either. So Tyree you know, wasn't either. Me. And Chris Tyree, me. trust yeah. me,
2: is going to start yeah. opening day in the slot. But I think this is funny because I keep putting Merriweather in. He's a the starter. They need him. They're going to stick with him. And I don't want to like Pete made such a good point to me. It's like, well, Colsey's made plays. That's true, too. Like, it is fair. It's fair. He was the emerging guy. Um, I don't think he has caught a pass yet in his life from uh, anyone not named Drew Pine, though. Imagine that. True.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, it, look, we're not we're not going to see this again until Navy like there's there's no other opportunities for us to go out yeah. there and and sort of have as if our opinions matter. But like, have our minds changed about this like. We're yeah, five gonna five periods. We'll, we'll can't see, do it. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna see this whenever you see it, dear listener. Um, whether it be Navy or Tennessee State or NC State. And I mean, look, there, there have been a ton of instances where players didn't do anything in camp, and then the season comes around and like, oh, they actually turn out to be quite good. Um, but like I think we all just sort of expected. Hartman to elevate the receivers and uh, he's throwing them open, which we see him do to other guys, uh, whether it be Holden stays or Chris Tyree or Matt Salerno. Um, I, it's just, it, it's just odd to me that we haven't seen flashes of this yet. Well, uh,
1: Hartman did elevate Matt Salerno the other night. He did elevate. He did.
3: That's true.
1: <laughs> well, actually, I, I, no, I don't know if that's true. That may have been, that may have been Angeli who played really well, but. Anyway. Oh, Tim, I did have one slight bone to pick with you. I know you made the comment about Braylon James's catch and he was being defended by a walk, walk on. on DB. I don't care. It was a great catch. Oh, anyway. no,
2: I, I agree. My problem is he is always pitted with the walk on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elias Merriweather always pitted with Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart is pitted with Jaden Thomas. And there's your pecking order. Matt Salerno gets Christian Gray. Jaden Mickey gets Rico Flores.
1: No doubt. No, no doubt. But that was a, that was oh, a, a tremendous, he made two really nice catches. Now.
2: I thought yeah,
1: yeah. It, was, it was one of the outside of Salerno was one of the best ones. So I believe that Tobias Merriweather has the ability to be a a really, really good college wide receiver.
2: I do too. And I, I, I believe
1: that the, you know why I believe that because that's what the Notre Dame coaching staff believes. Yeah. That's why I believe that segment two coming up, burning up the boards.
0: First impressions really do matter. There's no two ways around it and your face is most likely the first thing that someone notices about you. How your skin looks is going to determine, good or bad, that all-important first impression. I decided it's time to put my best face forward and to start using Caldera Lab to make my first impression a lasting one for the better. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging, Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day in your confidence. Get 20% off by using the code IRISH at calderalab.com. That's 20% off by going to calderalab.com and using the promotional code IRISH. Jump into skin and first impression royalty with Caldera Lab at calderalab.com. C-L-A-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express Transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation and more, visit DayYourWay.com. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago... Boston, Los Angeles, and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50-plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris, and Rome. Visit airlingus.com to book today.
2: We are back with segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from the aptly named i Miss Mason. What are your expectations for the special teams? Please tell me Matt Salerno is not the starting punt returner. (laughs)
1: uh he might be number two but uh no he's not number one Chris Tyree is number one in our conversations conversations with Marty Biagi there there are six so-called specialists kick return punt return kickoff place kicks punter holder long snapper six of the seven are set Chris Tyree is the punt returner Spencer Schrader as the kickoff man Spencer Schrader as the place kicker. The punter will be Bryce McPherson. I was a little bit surprised that Biagi said that today, but I think that that's the right choice. Devin DeVeeson is the holder. And, of course, Michael Milk Vinson is the long snapper. The only thing, the only position in doubt is kick return. And I I thought I wrote that down, Timmy. I know he mentioned, he said Ford, here it was, in this order, he said Devin Ford, Chris Tyree, uh, Jadarian Price, and Jeremiah Love. So he did mention Love uh, as a possibility, and that's kind of intriguing because the guy has blazing speed. But I like that. I I said this in our instant analysis uh, during the interview with Marcus Freeman in June. I had asked about Devin Ford, and he really emphasized the fact that they liked the fact that he had a background in special teams. He didn't say anything beyond that, but the light bulb went off. And I thought, there's your kick returner. So that was the guy that uh, Biagi mentioned first. Uh, and if that holds true, he will be the, the the lead kick returner going into the Navy game.
2: It's uh, yeah. I asked him about his core, core coverage guys, and I made the rookie mistake of mentioning people because that always puts their name into somebody else's mouth. But uh, I, <laughs> I, was I agree looking with person. the name you just mentioned. Yeah. I agree with that person. I was like, is there help for Kaiser and Bertrand? So, and I asked him, what about young guys? And he, he did use the qualifier of, I'm not going to remember every name here, but he expects Drake Bowen and Jaden Osberry to be at the forefront of the young guys. Then he immediately went to Thomas Harper and Clarence Lewis. So what they're looking for is it's more than four. It's probably like a core six guys that are on their core four teams. Core four teams are return and coverage punt and kick. Um, I think that really the key is to get Bertrand off there because he's good at it, but you can't he doesn't need 140 snaps on special teams to go with everything else. So yeah. you want to see, and I think we will see Jalen Snead, um, to work in there. Bowen and Osbury make a lot of sense too, Pete.
3: Yeah. I, I, I would love to see Bowen and Osbury out there. Um, cause I, they can both help you now. Um, you know, Osbury maybe less so than Bowen in terms of like actual base defense reps to be had, right. Just based right. on the nature of the Rover position. Um, but, um, I mean, Bowen to me is like he's the number two Mike. I realize they wouldn't put him in if J.D. Bertrand like messed up his ankle on the first snap of the Navy game. But I think Drake Bowen is very, very close to being like a live player in the base defense for Notre Dame. So I, you, I think you should get that moving.
1: I, I didn't really didn't like the way he looked in pass coverage drills the other night, Bowen specifically. But you know, you don't you don't have an option with Nolan Ziegler. I don't expect him. Is there any reason to expect Nolan Ziegler to be on the team this year? I I, I don't have any. Well, he could be on
2: the team, but he I mean he missed a whole camp. You're also yeah, not going to beat out so Drake Bowen yeah, when you get so back. I don't
1: know. Osberry, I love. I loved him. I loved him during recruiting. I loved him in the spring when he impressed with not only his physical ability and and a way to to always be around the football, but also uh, just the maturity of the kid. You know, here's a senior in high school sitting there and and uh, and and conducting interviews with a lot of maturity. So. Um. Yeah, I I I I like the Ford Tyree. I think Tyree's a good choice for punt returner. um He apparently, according to Beazley, really really worked. Did he say how many how many balls he caught? He didn't say how many. He, he just talked about again. how
2: how okay. he really put the effort in yeah. to be the punt returner the whole off season. So and,
1: and Schrader has a, a very live leg, and you know it's interesting when you go into a camp and you have three kickers that are. All legitimate candidates for for kickoffs and in, in Yoakum and Schrader and McPherson. McPherson said he's not involved in that at all, which is good because he can just focus on punting. But Schrader, Schrader was fourth in the country last year in yeah. touchdowns.
2: Well, he's first uh, on the I, team this year, so he's in. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I talked to him during interviews today. And you know, it's like interesting kid. He's got, he got his backstory paid. is awesome, but I did have to slip in like, all right, how far can you actually make a field goal? And he's like, you know, like if I got a hold of it. 61 62 63 um he said once he, he was like if it was wind aided and one time at usf they practiced in hurricane conditions so he's like all right if i get that at my back um he made like a a kickoff through the uprights um so i don't know what that would be like 75 85 yards no. yeah
1: a right, question from terry benedict is this going to be a defensive or offensive driven team
3: i mean
2: i don't I I'm not putting enough in one I, The wide receivers need to step up, but I love the offensive line, the quarterback and the running backs. And I think the tight ends are going to play a, a solid role because they don't have to be Michael Mayer. I think it's still an offensive driven team. I think Notre Dame has can still put up points, um, but their wide receivers should be a concern for Notre Dame fans. If you're rating positions. And I think it's a concern for Sam Hartman. If you're rating positions, let's put it that way.
3: Right. It's an offensive driven team because Sam Harbin is a quarterback.
2: Yeah. 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 If Drew Pine was a quarterback, there'd have to be a lot of uh, defense.
3: Yeah. Then I think you're sort of managing the offense like they should still be able to to go offensively. And, you know, at some point, some receiver and it may be Rico Flores and Jaden Greyhouse will step up and, and get there. But. 100% 100% talking to people that have been to the practices we have not been. The vibe has been like Sam Hartman's really sort of figuring it, still trying to figure out who's my, who's my number one. If it's not Jaden Thomas, cause it can't always be Jaden Thomas.
1: Yeah. And I, I you know, I'm, I think I'm confident like you guys, that Jaden Greathouse is going to hit the ground running and will be a primary target for Sam Hartman. Uh, Chris Tyree is always going to be available to him underneath. That's the great thing about having a veteran quarterback uh, that has the experience that, hartman does is that he is a go through the progressions type of quarterback and if you're open he will find you which was part of what i was trying to say the other night if if merriweather and colsey had been open merriweather in particular that that's who that's who he was uh yeah who's quarterback merriweather
2: got i mean colsey is not on the first unit like tobias merriweather is that he is absolutely not Uh, and
1: but okay angeli had a great night too and he didn't find colsey right Right. so anyway. yeah, you know, Salerno, I, I, again, I think Soler knows a guy that it, that Hartman's always going to know where he is. Hartman is always going to know where his running backs are in the passing game, and that's what allows you to keep the chains moving, then maybe you loosen things up for your wideouts when you're distributing the football. I think Holden stays, because he is so wide receiver-like, has a chance to be, you know, the number the number two pass catcher on the team which I, and there's nothing wrong with that because we, because we saw what, you know, what Michael Mayer can do as the primary primary receiver.
2: I don't think that would be overly healthy for the end of the year's final record is the best way. I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think they need somebody else to step up to make Holden stays the third or fourth option on the team.
1: I mean, not, not like, you know, 17 more catches than the number three guy. I'm not necessarily right, right. saying that. I'm just but, saying, I don't uh, want
2: to see like, like, I know they're not going to have an 80 catch guy like Mayor, but like, uh, I don't want to see 30 and 28 and 26. I, somebody needs to step up a little bit. It's Tobias Merriweather. I don't it's care Tobias how many people we're going to argue this Mar- thing. It's yeah. Tobias Merriweather. We got to quit grouping those two guys, Tobias Merriweather and Colsey, okay? Uh, Tobias right. Merriweather has to have a breakout year. If he doesn't, their offense will not be that good.
1: Yeah, tying into the first question mm-hmm. for Terry Benedict is N.E. Davis, too. How important was retaining L. Golden for year two? I don't know if that's facetious. <laughs> Tongue in cheek, or, or I don't or, think it uh, is.
2: But... I I think people that watch the whole season, not just the USC game, know that Golden's defense was not the problem, and that year two in the defense should be better than year one with most of the main guys coming back. However, it could be facetious because it's it's August 10th and we have no idea if Al Golden's defense is doing much. But I, I I think that was the main reason you retain Al Golden is to hit the ground running in year two of a defense. It
3: yeah, wasn't I for think... recruiting. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that his defense was good last year. Uh, I know that they were bad in the red zone. I also don't think it's a healthy to have four defense coordinators in four years. Uh,
1: no, no, it's, it's, it's unfair to the players because the complexity of the game today, you know, you guys weren't around when I was covering Lou Holtz. The complexities of the game. We're, we're not a part of the equation no it, he just called plays being, and
2: called stuff and yeah
1: it was I, I mean you lined up offensively and kick somebody's ass that that was that was their game plan you know and it worked a lot just uh, do
2: it again tim put in Schroff. sorry i just wanted to yell there was no
1: but l gold you know i i, I think it, it it's a good point whether whether meant in jest or not but I, I i do think it's very beneficial when we spoke with the linebackers they they all of them talked about the importance of going through this a second time with L. Golden. And
2: so the secondary. Actually, so did DJ Brown yeah. and Watts and Henderson. People so, like Watts, I could say his name.
1: Yeah. So that's that is a good thing. I think it's important. Uh, I think it's finally fair to the poor players that have to, you know, ha- have to digest the, the complexity of the game today, which is just totally off the chart. I don't I like there are many times where I don't know how how guys can actually play free and easy. Unless you're yeah. you're you're just really, really smart like Notre Dame's linebackers are.
2: So Man. the best thing we should reiterate here, Pete, I'm sorry, is we said this a long time ago, but nobody cared because it was a spring. Al Golden mentioned the thing he learned most was I put in so much stuff last year. I took out a bunch. I'm only putting in what we need for the opponents we are going to be playing. In other words, in spring and in early camp, he installed a defense for 12 games. Not for every humanly possible thing you could possibly need to cover defensively. And he thinks that will help simplify it. I know it's a complicated defense because the safety said we run an NFL defense and there's a lot going on.
3: Oh, I was going to say on the complexities of the defense, like I try once a year to figure out a player who would be interested in sitting down with me and talking through plays. Um, so I did it with Jack Kaiser yesterday. The story will run tomorrow in the athletic where we went Good through call six on plays, by the way. That's yeah. Nice. <laughs> and man, like the amount of stuff that he has to process at full speed while someone's trying to like rip your head off or, uh, a four, three receivers trying to run by you is it's a lot. It's a lot. I was, you know, it, these players are really impressive when you sit down and talk to them. Kaiser is definitely in that group, but, uh, man, there's, there's a, a lot going on, even if it feels basic to him, uh, for the average fan who's watching at home on TV and be like, why is Jack Kaiser guarding Josh Downs?" like, well, actually that's not how it's supposed to work, but, um, it was a good, it, I think people will enjoy that story tomorrow.
2: Did you uh, ask him about
3: guarding Josh downs? I did i did um it's good te- yeah, it's it's a good tease i'm them.
2: guessing you're not going to tell us right now but i'm really excited to read it now because i want to yeah. i want to hear about that one that was
3: yeah it's it's fun like when you get guys who are mature that you can talk about like some plays that worked and some plays that didn't yeah um, like julian you, love you really learned a lot it was great with that
0: yeah
1: well, and i i'm sure pete in the process you learn just how little little we know watching. Oh. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable that every
3: time I sit down with these players, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I think, like, honestly, because we we come at it with like some humility about like, hey, can you explain this to me like I'm a five year old, even though yeah. like I I know some basics, like they appreciate that.
1: But like, you know, every week I'm doing tail of tape and pouring over that stuff and making assumptions about things that I see, and I try to say, this is my assumption; it may not be the case, but. You know, we can on the outside we can study it and still have no idea. On the outside, people are drunk watching the game and they've got all the answers to it. I mean, what are we talking about here? Let's.
3: I the solution is we need to be drinking during the game.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Question from Keenan One W: It's always a tug of war when assessing an intra intra squad scrimmage, but help those of us who can't watch practice make sense of the DB wide receiver dynamic. Are the defensive backs that good? Are the wide receivers just not that great, or is it our favorite word? Both.
2: I mean, Pete's favorite word is in there, so he should go first.
3: Yeah i I think the DBs are really good when Cam Hart is healthy. Um, you know, and right now he's not. He got knocked out of the this. That wasn't a scrimmage, but like live live action run period on Tuesday, and <laughs> wasn't out there today. So, yeah, I think I think the DBs are that good. Um, I think the receivers have struggled uh at the top of the depth chart but um and i you know i say again it's it's if tobias merriweather had made like two and a half catches on tuesday night i don't think we would be having this conversation but just that we didn't see it and then we we talked to other people at practices they haven't seen it either um the ones that we have not attended but i i do think the dbs the corners in particular are, are that good um that they they could just lock you down Christian Gray is your fifth best corner right now. And
2: I realize someday he's going to be better than Clarence Lewis and Jaden Mickey, I believe. But right now he's your fifth best corner because of all the things Mickey has gone through. Mickey, you know, Mickey's become, I think it looks like a really good practice player. And we know what Lewis can do as a reserve. Christian Gray is your fifth best corner. I mean, that's that's, that's a long yeah, way from uh, that's Kavari. Incredible. Hey, Kavari, that's incredible.
3: Uh, can you play? Could you play corner on this team? Like would that?
2: Would you like to start? No, Ed? you
3: don't. You've never done it. Ah, you figured
2: it out. I mean that the corners are way better than the wide receivers. That's fine. That's that's the way it is. Doesn't mean the receivers can't be good during the season because they have Sam Hartman Correct. and they can improve. But Christian Gray is the fifth corner. I would put Christian Gray against everybody out there except for Jaden Thomas because he's too physical.
1: Yeah, he was really he was really good the other night. I know we said that in our instant analysis, but Christian Gray was very good. But and and I get I get the question. A lot of people have asked us something similar to what Keenan is, is mentioning here, but look, they're not, (laughs) you're still four-star wide receivers. Okay. You need to make make some plays. And again, I want to clarify, I think Jaden Thomas is going to have a very good year. I've said all summer that I think Matt Salerno is going to play a key limited, key limited role. Uh, Jaden Greathouse. We all like he's, I think he's going to be fine this year and do good things. Rico Flores didn't do really much of anything the other night, but I love everything about that kid. Tyree is always going to be available to Hartman. So it's not like we're not denouncing the entire receiving core. I think those guys can make plays. We're just saying that there's a, there's one in particular, Tim, that has to step up. So yeah, you're yeah, going against get Steve beats, but you got to make plays. Come on, it, man. It,
2: this is not apples to apples. Cause I don't know. If, I mean, we have Jaden Thomas in the equation, but it's like how much I like the running backs because Estime exists. I like Jaden Greathouse and you like Matt Salerno and we could like Chris Tyree because Tobias Merriweather was going to be a downfield threat and a guy that could have 800 yards receiving like Matt Salerno and Jaden Greathouse can't be what Sam Hartman has to go with only against Ohio state to help him with Jaden Thomas. You need something else out of there.
1: No. And that's why it's like, I don't care how good Norden's D DBS are. You have to go against Clemson, Ohio States and USC's. I mean,
0: you know, yeah, it, those guys are what, fine what too.
1: Are we, what are we thinking? We're, we are we thinking that uh, uh, Pat, Pat Narduzzi's not going to have good quality quarterback play against Notre Dame with Plus his. It's not ugly? like
2: one guy, it's not like Benjamin Morrison just shuts everybody down and they get stuff versus the other four guys. The five corners are winning, five corners are winning, and so are
1: safeties. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, the DBs are the DBs are really good. The wide receivers need to be a lot better. It doesn't you can't that doesn't mean that in a in a practice setting the db should win 100 percent of the reps <laughs> i mean that's that's crazy go ahead tim oh,
2: from bailey brad123 with speaking of which with the caveat that it was only one practice as your opinion of the defensive line changed, was the criticism of al washington a bit overblown
1: well criticism of assistant coaches are always overblown like i like Chancy Stuckey, what's he doing? Why isn't he developing these guys? Well, because the player himself has to make up his mind first and foremost that he's going to develop. If he doesn't, no coach can get through to a guy. I coached baseball for nine years. If you're not going to get through to a guy, you're not going to get through to a guy, no matter how well you coach them.
2: Did you try I just yelling them. care as much as I do and see if it worked? Well,
1: <laughs> that really wasn't possible uh, actually. (laughs) Oh no, I never did yell that, but no, this is, it wasn't just one practice with the defensive line. It it wasn't. I mean, we've seen, we've seen throughout camp. We've seen the progress that Riley Mills has made. Were we saying similar things about Riley Mills last year at this time? Yeah, but now he has a year under his belt. He's strictly a defensive tackle. Gabe Rubio is flashing consistently. Jason Anya is flashing consistently and we know what Howard Cross can actually, of the guys that we mentioned, Howard Cross has flashed the least in camp, at least in my eyes. And we know, yeah, his-
3: I, I'm not sure how much differently I feel about the end positions than I did when camp started, but I feel a lot different about the interior positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that better. And that's like, because I remember asking Al Washington in camp, like, do you feel like you're going to have eight guys? And he was like, yeah, I like, I think it was you mean he was optimistic, confident. In the spec. Yeah, yeah. yeah, confidently optimistic that he would get there. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that has proven to be spot on um, because of what they've been able to sort of develop with Anya and um, Rubio on the inside. So it's like if those are, oh, well, I'll leave this for a future Monday musing, but go back and look at like the, the best backup interior defensive lineman tandems that Notre Dame has had. Oh, yeah. Like, I was just thinking about it. Could be like, I'm like, again, season has started, but this should be one of the better ones. Um, yes. and, and yes, it, it would look different if Keon Keeley was in the freshman class, but the, on the interior that, that position, what, if, if they're not the most improved, I don't know what position would be. I agree with you, and if Jason Anya and Gabriel Rubio don't have
2: good year in reserve, I will be shocked at this point. I will be, I will be. They're they're all over the field. They are all over the field as defensive interior players. It's it's really impressive, and the key is there's four of them because Cross and Mills are still better. Yeah,
1: would you guys share with me and with our listeners, of course, what you saw the defensive ends the other night? I, you know, it's so, it's so difficult for one person to see everything that happens on every snap on one side of the ball. Yeah. And I, and, and several outlets and Pete, actually, I think you always put out a list of guys that, that you were impressed with during the scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I, I think Josh Burnham was on your list. Was he not?
3: He was, he was. Cause I think it was a older, you know, it was one of our podcasts and I think we were sort of like, you know, we like Burnham, but we haven't really seen him do anything yet. And then on Tuesday night, it was like, oh, okay. I saw him do some stuff. What did you
1: you see exactly? He
3: just floated. I think it was a I don't know if it was a quarterback run uh, to the opposite side or an outside run. But his speed off the edge, like once he just put his foot in the ground and went, um, he really swallowed up ground quickly. Um, There was there was a, a quickness and a suddenness there that. I just, you know, I I just hadn't seen that in a drill or a scrimmage or a play yet. So it was, again, it's like, no one's asking Anya and Rubio to be starters. And I don't think anyone's going to ask Burnham to be more than like sort of a 2A at Viper. But like as a 2A, you're like, okay, I see some, I see some assets here that could be interesting to watch how they develop.
2: Tui Halimaka, um has missed. Well, we just we just know of two practices Tuesday. Not missed. He's out there. He just wasn't involved yeah, he at all not Tuesday. And, in the live
1: yeah. stuff on Tuesday, yeah. he was back um, out there today. But I don't know. I don't. He know.
2: watched a drill that I was. It was on air, and Burnham was in it. So I think right now it's probably because of injury, or or because we beat him. Whatever. It's Burnham. But I, yeah, Pete, I wrote down. Um, I think it was a different play than you're talking about too, because one of the plays I noted of was those guys again. Rubio, Anya, and Burnham all clash behind the line of scrimmage to drop Jadarian Price for a tackle for loss. Like, they're just jumping on stuff, man. I think it's in uh, credit. I wish I had the poster's name because he has been all over. He was angry at us Tim when we had Burnham like forty eight or whatever, and I was like, well, I mean, if he finishes nine spots higher, that's a really good year, you know. And he's, he, I think his point was, I think he's, you know, maybe twelve spots higher than that. And
1: well, maybe that'd be huge. That'd be huge for, for Notre Dame he goes into as the number three guy there. So, I mean, how many reps are there let alone big plays? You don't know. It all evolves, but I I think it's suffice to say really good things look to be happening along the defensive line. I think that we, we overreact with assistant coaches who, you know, now, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Al Washington is a great defensive line coach. I don't, I don't know that. I don't think he's a bad defensive line coach, but I think too, frequent, too frequently we get a piece of information about a player, and then em- immediately judge the position coach. And having been in coaching, that's it's ultimately it's your job as a position yeah. coach. I get that, but it, it's a two prong process, and it first and foremost it's the performance and the decision by the player that he wants to be great.
2: Pete has to go, so I want to give him one better question than the next one. Insane ND Tucson. Jalen Sneed, the ultimate boomer bust player, it seems. Which do you expect more of this season? Ah, season, holy cow, boom or busts?
3: Ah, uh, I think, man, I don't, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> that's th- why that's I, what I, think, I wanted to say I, for this I think, one. <laughs> will, I think that will have he will have many of both this year. I don't know which one will he will have more of, but I, I think he is going to make some spectacular plays. Maybe that go in both directions. Like, what was the what was the old like Russell Carter, Mike Brayism? Like he can, was yes. oh, well, oh. like he can he can light a gym up or burn it down or something? Like I, I can't remember what he said. I but think
1: like, I might have asked that question that led okay. to that. <laughs>
3: I just like Jalen seed If he has a season like he did on Tuesday, like he will make some game changing plays for Notre Dame. Uh, there might also be some moments where he turns a guy loose because he's trying to make a game-changing play that he shouldn't
1: i think that's well put Pete. you gotta leave us
3: yes i got i got i got some parenting so school year has not quite started okay, yeah we're exactly. in trouble with these this
2: this okay. next week's try thing we got to move along next week i'm i'm good here tim don't worry but i want to go okay, ahead and uh, i want to follow up on sneed because i had sneed 23 going into the summer and then i heard stuff about the summer and then i saw the beginning of camp i'm like oh my god i'm an idiot i'm the i'm the guy that never overrates the highly rated guy that i hear terrible things about. Jalen sneed on tuesday night was a violent fast human being and i had never seen him make a play ever in my entire life outside of high school film and he was all over the field tim kickoff attacking the line of scrimmage
1: right he was great on that little drill that kick coverage oh, drill coming over. around
2: the corner and pass in pass rush i don't want to see him in rover Positions trying to discern where this ball's going on oh, a wheel route right. to Devin Ford. You're right. You got to be able, this is the time. You know how everybody says you got to find a role for someone good? Not Jalen Steed last year. You didn't need to find a role for him at all. You have to find a role for Jalen Steed. Today in the tempo drill, I couldn't decide if I wanted to write down this is tag off or thud, Brian Kelly's favorite word, thud, because they weren't tackling, obviously. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, it looks like tag off. And then Jalen Steed met Jeremiah Love on the right side. I was like, Okay, that's thud because that sounded like a full-on tackle when he just put his pads on Jeremiah Love.
1: Yeah, well, but I but I agree you you have to you have to find a role for him, but don't don't try to fit the square no. peg round hole. I agree. I agree. Not, not I this agree. year. Not this like year.
2: last year, when people say you have to find a role for your talented athletes, that's not always true. You have to find a role now that he's been in it and he understands some things. Right. Right.
1: Question from an old friend, FJ Cat. Is Jadarian, we're told that's now how it's pronounced. I
2: already got it wrong today.
1: Is Jadarian Price ready to go for this season? He's fully healthy, right? He's, I haven't seen anything. I think so. I think, like in the deep recesses of my mind, I'm saying, is he quite as explosive as he was before the injury? But I think I'm being a little bit unfair there. He is a big, strong dude. He's taken the hits. He's bounced up from everything. He looks great. I know that can that can change in a heartbeat, but he looks really big and really big and strong. I, I mean that's where yeah his low his lower body is powerful. And and uh, yeah, I think I don't think there's any reason to think that he's not ready to go. He's survived the last two weeks.
2: I think everything you say is true, but I don't think there's any reason to believe that 2023 will be better than 2024
1: for his no health. doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yes, I, I agree he'll be that much better. And, you know, Audric Estimate should get the bulk of the carries, and that's fine. You spot the other two guys with Devin Ford. Yeah. They've got a good situation going there, definitely. Question from DMB346. It sounds like Steve Angeli took a real step forward this summer. What has he improved the most?
2: I don't know about the latter because we just did not see, and this counts. Remember, we didn't see Drew and Tyler Buckner do anything last August, as we were very blunt about. We certainly didn't see Steve Angeli do anything if those guys weren't doing anything. Steve Angeli looks like he has good command of the pocket. He is extremely quick out of the pocket and he throws better balls than I thought, but one of the four best catches. And it was a great placement of the ball, even though it was a good catch. Jaden Greathouse made a catch on the sideline. Do you remember kind of diving far away from us?
1: I thought that wasn't Minchie.
2: Oh, it might've been Minchie, but I
1: think that one was Minchie. It might've been Minchie. Steve Angeli threw
2: really Steve Angeli is better now than I thought he would be now from both film And watching last year,
1: let me just throw out one word descriptions that I think I'm seeing leadership, decisiveness, confidence. The accuracy the other night was outstanding. Anything that he missed was because he had no chance to complete it, whether it was pass rush or coverage. On the other end, I really, really like the way Steve Angeli looked the other night. I, one of the other sites said, I don't know how many consecutive completions in a row i guess i didn't really chart that but he was really good I, I i just i've always been i've said this a million times and i'll say it a million more probably uh, for me I, an athlete when i was in coaching evaluating athletes body language says ev- not everything but it says an awful lot and his body language says i belong out here i'm the number two guy i'm ready to go
2: uh, to put a finer point on that, the only guy I thought that did not have great body language that was awesome was Golden Tate.
1: Ah, uh, wow! I guess I never noticed it that much because he was so awesome.
2: Yeah, he was so awesome; <laughs> it didn't really matter. <laughs> but when he was frustrated, like, he, he like, was like, frustrated. When he was oh, okay. frustrated, it, like was, it was very
1: clear. stuff. Yeah, like if he thought of, if, if he thought his quarterback didn't throw it where he should have. Yes. 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 <laughs> Okay. But you know what? You know, I don't remember that. I, I don't I'll, remember. Great
2: I'll take it. That's fine. Let's yeah. just throw him out there and let him pout every time Sam Harvin misses him with his 19 touchdown catches this year if he were on the team. So, ND Bass 2001. Rumors are out there that Notre Dame is pushing the ACC to add Cal and Stanford. Is there anything you've heard to lead you to think it's accurate? Why would Notre Dame push for them?
1: Uh, it's Kell and Stanford. I, you have a rival. Yeah, it's Kell and Stanford. It's a, a there are academic in, institutions. Notre Dame is a great academic institution. I think that the ACC continues to look for ways to stabilize things because their, their foundation is crumbling a little bit, or it's a little bit shaky. Uh, I can't stand the whole idea of Stanford swimming flying across the country to you know whatever but um i mean that's why and then like somebody was it part of mcmurphy's tweet about notre dame's trying to get people to join the conference and they're not all in well yeah
2: yeah
1: notre dame is they're all in except for football they are all in with the acc that's why the acc included them in 2020 i understand the perspective from the outside but the perspective from the inside, outside of maybe Pat Narduzzi and some coaches that don't like Notre Dame being a part of it, is that the ACC values Notre Dame's presence. Would they love to have them in football? Absolutely, but that's not on the table right now.
2: Tim, this uh, this last this second to last question is actually for Pete, so you should push it to next week's podcast. It's a good one. Yep,
1: from we'll DHS Spartan, yep.
2: you can wait for that one. DHS Spartan um so we have go irish 82 to finish up and it could be a, it could be a long answer with priest and I involved here simple question is notre dame better than last year at the same point of the season so that is the end of camp let's try that if we can think back
1: why would that be a long answer you go first because I mean, uh, there's so clear. many ways of
2: looking at it i mean they're better okay. with because they have a quarterback that i don't worry if he can complete a slant so i know i've used that line twice now but they have the quarterback and sam hartman um the offensive line, you can't necessarily say they're better than last year because they had five guys you knew were fine. Um, running back would be a wash. We didn't know enough about Logan Diggs. I'd say running back's better, actually. We didn't know anything about Artic Estame other than what people told us that he was fast and cool. So I'd say running back's better. Wide receiver's still the weakness. Tight end obviously doesn't have mayor. Quarterback is light years better, which makes tight end and wide receiver better. So I say the offense is better. Do you want to try the defense uh, no, i not? want
1: you to carry i want you to carry on
2: please secondary is better because the corners are so impressive and the safeties are deeper with carter and watts being involved now and harper so it's Brace, it's minus bracy plus carter watson harper i will take carter watson harper over one guy in bracy um and then the defensive line we had a very high opinion of the defensive line I am going to contend with this defensive line will be better overall than last year's. Cause the other guys last year had one foot out the door a little bit as the season progressed, the linebackers right. are back.
3: Kicker,
1: kicker should it be at least as good. If not better, Hunter right. won't be as consistent as Well, the, come on now. Let's just right, John let me, Son. the reason I asked why you thought it'd be a long answer. Uh, because I looked a little bit differently and I, I, I concur with what you're saying about by position. I think the defensive line. I, I I really really like the depth of this defensive line. I think it's going to be a very good unit. Will they have an Isaiah Foskey? Probably no.
2: No, I don't oh, think. He got off he will to a
1: slow start. Foskey. He got off to a slow start and was a little bit inconsistent. But I looked at more cumulatively in terms of attitude, tenacity, physicality, being. I I, I wrote about this a little bit in Thursday thoughts. Um, just I, I lo- there's a nastiness on the practice field between the offense and defense. Which it really is, is and it's, it's not it's good so, nature. It's
0: good.
1: It's so, <laughs> so un Notre Dame like. I mean, it's like oh my god. Let, listen to what he listen to what Anya saying to him, and listen to what you know. Notre Dame needs that man. They, they need sure that. they need that very badly. And and uh, you know is that a is that a reflection of Marcus Freeman? Yes, I absolutely think it is.
2: I, I absolutely believe it is. I think Pete absolutely believes it is not to put words in his mouth. I don't think it is all good natured. I think it's competitive as heck and they're going at each other. Um, Jason Anye is going to get someone to punch him at some point because he's funny when he rips on you too, when he's talking trash. I don't think I've heard funnier trash talk in my life. than Jason Anye at the top of his lungs <laughs> saying, so we could all hear it. Blake Fisher's mad. Blake Fisher's mad. <laughs> it was hilarious, but. Ah, that makes you mad if you're Blake Fisher. And there were more. I mean, Blake Fisher sticking up for Jaden Greathouse on the sideline I thought was great. Fisher wasn't in the game. Greathouse got slammed down. He didn't need to get slammed down in a, in a practice setting like that. Yeah. They are going at it. We know Marcus Freeman likes contentious practices dating back to when he was a defensive coordinator for Notre Dame under Brian Kelly. And all the things you heard about some of that stuff going on midseason. Like, that guy wants serious competition. And he's got some guys that want to tell you about it while they're competing.
1: I think it's great. It's something that was very much needed. And I think, you know, when people ask about, well, you know what, how is Marcus Freeman different than last year? Uh, You know, I don't know that it's so much how different he is as much as the tone of his program, the way that he runs it is now more embedded into his coaches and his players. And I think that that's really important. Really hungry
2: guys on the defensive line is how I should put it. I don't want to just dis- I don't want to disparage last year, but Rubio and Anye and even Mills, the the you know Nana Safa Mensa is up. That Nana and Javante Jean Baptiste are going to split time. You can tell by how you watch practice. The Vipers, the I think they're a very angry, uh, hungry group up front.
1: I agree. I think they're feeling it. I was just as we, we only had a short period today, but as we were walking, I walked past the defensive line and they were just doing a bag drill coming yeah. through Did you see oh, this yes i was, yeah, that I was mean, like there was a violence to them doing that and i'm like this is we can look when you're when you're going to practice and you're in the media you can imagine whatever you want to imagine and so sometimes we get impressions and what's real what isn't i think that that's very much real and if I'm wrong, I'm sure I'll hear about it here down the road. <laughs> well, anyway, we're going to
2: Lisa's popular for once, Tim. Congratulations. Yes, that's it, a
1: good. Yes, it is. I'm sure it's a popular notion. We're going to wrap up with that. We're going to be back at practice tomorrow. We'll have practice reports Saturday. Practice reports. We will uh, interview Marcus Freeman
2: uh, nope. on Saturday. No, practice. Yeah,
1: no oh, That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, no practice uh, viewing on Saturday, but we will interview him. Uh we have some scheduling conflicts on Monday, so the next time we'll be back for an Irish Illustrated Insider is Tuesday, August fifteenth. We appreciate you joining us today. And until then, Tim O'Malley, Tim Priester, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.
3: Looking for a perfect afternoon getaway outside of Dublin City. Explore Dunleary and many other places with the Do Dublin Freedom Card. Get a 72-hour pass for public transport services including bus, dart, train and the tramline known as the Lewis. Plus, you'll receive a 48-hour ticket for Dublin's best hop-on, hop-off city tour. Book your Freedom Card now at doodublin.ie forward slash irishillustrated and enjoy the freedom to explore.